You're listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we look at questions and topics that are related to our faith in Jesus and how it plays out in our everyday lives. In this episode, we're discussing the fruit of the Spirit. So this is something that if you've been around Christianity for any length of time, you've heard people talk about. Uh, They're found in the book of Galatians, and and there are, are a whole list of fruit of the Spirit. But the questions we're answering are, how do we actually develop these traits? How do they play themselves out as we walk with Jesus and in community with one another. Welcome in to Church Unplugged. Welcome in to Church Unplugged. I'm Jimmy Cozy, part of the leadership team here at CCC. We've got the rest of our leadership team, Zach Wyrock, Joe Coffey, and Stacey DiNardo. Our, our topic today is the fruit of the Spirit. So that's uh, something we talked about, obviously, a lot in Christianity. They're in Scripture in the book of Galatians, but how do we actually develop the fruit of the Spirit? I think everybody who's a, been a Christian for any length of time has probably ne- met another Christian that they see and they're like, wow, that person really loves the Lord. The fruit of the Spirit is evident in their lives. How did they get there? How do we get there? How do we develop these things in our hearts and our minds and the way that we live? Yeah, I think the important thing to say in the start is I, I definitely think it's right to say, how do we cultivate these things? How do we develop these things? But it's also right to say, um, never on our own. Right, so, correct. you know, it is the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of the... Christian who tries hard, or the fruit of the mm-hmm. dedicated Christian, but the fruit of the Spirit. And so uh, Paul's whole point in Galatians is that there are some people who live by the flesh, meaning what they themselves can produce and do, and then there are some who live by the Spirit. So it's important to say that uh, while certainly we can lean into these things, Paul will say, walk in the Spirit. You know, that's a, that's a participatory statement. You need to walk in conjunction with, in relationship with the Spirit as he produces these things. We are never fundamentally producing these things. The Spirit in us is producing them, and that's a really important thing And maybe thing that changes the way that we think about yeah. our life circumstances, where you might not be saying, hey, today I want to go out and become more, more patient, patient yeah. but you might say... To, you might think, okay, Lord, what are you looking to? Right, because the other the other you? side is, uh, and I agree with you, Zach. But uh, I think sometimes we think uh, that the fruit of the spirit, because it's the fruit of the spirit, that it has nothing to do with with us, and it's just gonna it's just gonna appear out of nowhere. Like all of a sudden, I will be more loving. But let's let's go ahead and list out the fruit of the spirit, and then we'll I talk. Think Stacey about has it. a song for it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> back to kids' ministry days. Yeah. Uh, I think we can list them out. You can go for that. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the nine. Did I nail them? You got it. You got it. And the the thing I was thinking of is, um, (laughs) and I don't know if this is the right way to think, but uh, I was thinking just driving the other day, uh, if I were God and I was going to try to develop uh, love inside of somebody like me, what would I do? All right. So, uh, what has been something, uh, a, a life circumstance, Jimmy, you brought it up, uh, that has helped you, uh, develop into a more loving person or that God could use as a tool, uh, for the spirit to develop love inside of you? Deep, deep personal deep, reflection. Deep personal reflection. I, we should all give examples of things and, and look at that. I think the uh, another starting point, I would say for me, when I think about the fruit of the Spirit, I often go to also to John 15, 
where it just talks about the vine and the branches and about abiding in Christ and abiding in him and being connected to him because, as Zach pointed out, it's only the work of the Spirit in and through us. And so I don't know, uh, just for me, I think one go-to for me when I start thinking about living out in better ways the fruit and wanting God to grow fruit in me, I realize that I need to be staying so connected to him, right. as John 15 yeah, kind of points out. I think a good out, metaphor but... for it would be if you think about you know, any plant that's growing, yeah. let's say in this case, uh, some uh, whether a tree or a vine or whatever that's producing fruit, as you would say that left on its own, unintended and uncared for, it will produce some fruit, right? I mean, it's, it's what it is naturally designed to do. But it's only as it's cared for and pruned and fed and you know put into the sun or, or taken out of the sun or whatever the case might be that it actually becomes a really healthy and robust producer. So I, I do believe in the life of every true born-again Christian, these things will show up. The, the question is, how do we become people for whom they show up in, yeah. in plenty, right? right? In a, there's a difference between walking by a bush that has a couple of pieces of fruit on it and then walking past a really healthy apple tree and going, wow, look at, look that. at that. I man. mean, that's uh, and that's what you're saying, Jimmy, about every now and then you encounter someone where you go, wow, that's not just like base level self-control. That's incredible yeah. self-control yeah. And, and there's something so beautiful about it. So, so what do you, when you find somebody like that, what is a common denominator? I, was, I mean, like, no, like it's hardly question. ever. I hardly ever meet somebody like that uh, and uh, find out that they had an incredibly easy, uh, that's, wonderful. That's yeah, what I was right. going to say. Like, it almost right. always is connected to some difficult trial, circumstance. Right. Trial difficult. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what else. They never seem preoccupied with that thing. Right. Right. When I meet someone who is incredibly loving. They don't seem you're like wow you're you're just such a loving person. They don't go oh yeah I wake up every day thinking be loving be <laughs> right, loving be right, loving, right. loving, be loving. Yeah, you know right. there's an effortlessness right, to it right. which I think is part of what makes it so compelling and so and and so beautiful yeah so Joe you asked what are the things that the Lord has used yeah. so I guess we could just go down the list right yeah. and say love like the thing for me uh, that the Lord has used to, to to form in me love for other people is honestly being loved really well by other people, right? It, particularly at times when I'm not super lovable and I know I'm not super lovable, to um, experience the restorative power of that love, to see the significance of what it is for someone to look at you at your worst, right? Or at least not your best, and still love you and still care for you is a, is a way of going, wow, it really is a powerful thing to love someone, not based on performance, but to experience love simply on the basis of of the person desiring Unearned, to, right. uh, to love you. Yeah, now let me ask you this. Now, you know, I know you pretty well, all of us around this table know you pretty well, and you, we, we have watched you. You're, you seem uh, uh, very sensitive to uh, people going through different things, m- more so than I think most people would think you are, Yeah. right? Uh, do you feel like... The, that sensitivity has happened because you have felt uh, that uh, someone yeah, loved I you, think so. When you, so yeah. you are sensitive. So you see, because you're the one who comes in my office, uh, maybe more often than anybody, and say, "Hey, I was this staff member is going through this right now. Uh, can we what do can something we do? special? Can we? You know, what can I do for?" Yeah, them? and I think I think so because I think for me, when in all those situations, I am on. I'm constantly thinking of people who have done things like that for me. You know, I'm thinking of like like 
I went through some pretty tough stuff in my family last year, and I remember one person calling me and saying, hey, uh, this hasn't changed my opinion of you at all. You didn't do this. This is someone in your family did this. I want you to know you're a man who loves Jesus. I know yeah. you love Jesus. You're a man of character. You're a man of... It was so meaningful to me right. that like his response to that wasn't to even grieve with me. It was to say, hey, I know the thought that's in your head. That is not true. That is not... Right. Yeah. And so when I think about that, it's funny because I appreciate that. But but the weird the weird thing about that is it's like the natural result of that or response to that in me is to want to go looking for someone else. Yeah. It's like the overflow of that yeah. is for me, man, who needs to hear that? Because man, that's life-giving when someone says that to you. And so I'm always thinking of people who have done stuff like that for me and going, man, that was so meaningful. Who can I be that for? Uh yeah. Yeah, that actually makes sense. That gives you, you know, we always say you can't give what you have not received, but the moment you receive something is when you most want to to uh, reproduce it in somebody else. So, yeah. I in general, I, would, I I feel like if you are a parent, I think all of us could say parenting does allow us or gives us opportunity, gives God opportunity through the Spirit to grow us in these areas, whether it is. Um, in patience, um, whether it is, you know, when our kids are doing something and we are, our gut reaction is to explode and to get mad at them, um, but seeing it as an opportunity to grow them and being patient um, from self-control to kindness to goodness, I think, and love for sure. I think as a parent, again, as Zach's kind of pointed out, you understand love in a, in a different way as sometimes we can even see how understand how our father has loved us is now we have this this being to care for. So again, I, I think it's seeing those as opportunities and when there are difficulties like that as, okay, wait, how can God use this to produce something good inside of me instead of falling into my fleshly reaction? Yeah. Um, well, I, th- I think the whole movement of love, right, is the, is the movement out uh, to get out of yourself and yeah. care about somebody else instead of wanting things to be about you. And that requires, uh, I think, the easiest thing would be um, a child. I mean, when I remember uh, having friends after Karen and I had our first two children, having friends who hadn't had children yet and going out with them and going home and, th- and saying to each other, those two need to have a kid. Yeah. <laughs> because they were so they were so selfish and self I mean I it just seems so apparent like we had to think about somebody else. Yeah. They only had to think about themselves. I think marriage is similar to that. that too, absolutely. Right? Right. I, mean, I remember yeah. the first 6 months I was married realizing how incredibly selfish. And Amy <laughs> and I had dated for 4 years prior to getting married so we knew each other really well, but I I was blown away by how selfish I was because here was this other person where I was supposed, I knew I'm supposed to think about them. I'm supposed to, and it was relentless. And I just yeah. kept saying, when do I get to think about me? I want to think about me. And just realizing, wow, you know, that that person being there that you're meant to, to love and care for. And, you know, the thing is about love, when someone loves you well, this is, I, it's like a, a ripple effect, because I think when someone loves you well, you stop, one of the consequences of that is you don't need to look out for yourself anymore. Yeah. Because they're looking out for you. Right. You talk about right. love is saying right. to someone, I got you. I got, you know, and then you're able to go, well, if you got me, mm-hmm. I can I care for this else. person. Right. Right. Conversely, not loving someone causes them to be self-protective, which then makes it harder for them to extend uh, love. And that's why I think the people who have loved me well enable me to love others well. Yeah, I think uh, when I look at the list, you know, these are almost all by nature relational qualities. And so I think 
When I think of the times where I felt like the Lord has used circumstances to develop some of these things in me, they're all connected to relationships. Two specific ones come to mind for me. Uh, I feel like one of the most uh, formational times for me with the Lord was right after I start. I had both within six months gotten married and started working at CCC. Uh, but right after I got married, my wife, uh, she still has her RN license, but she was working as a nurse. She was working night shift, which is incredibly, incredibly difficult. And uh, so for me, right after getting married, there was no category to come in with with selfishness. Our life would not have worked because for Emily, her life was uh, I sleep all day and then I get up at 6 p.m. and I'm at the hospital. I come home at 7.30 a.m. I go back to sleep, wash, rinse, repeat. And so we had this stage where, you know, I was working during the day, she was working at night, you know, and and it just required, I think, both of us to say, okay, we're going to have to sacrifice for one another and I think uh, in some ways beat a lot, a little bit of selfishness out of us and caused us, I think the Lord used it to develop some of these qualities. The other is connected to parenting. You know, I have four kids, but uh, I think the time where this was most evident was when we had our twins, which is about a year yeah. and a half ago. Say, I have four kids, but I love at least two of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to remember names at this point. Uh, but yeah, you know, I think it, with the twins, we, especially when they were born, I mean, we were awake every 60 to 90 minutes, 24-7 for three months. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think that was one of those things. I mean, that was exceptionally difficult, more difficult for Emily than it was for me, but it was exceptionally difficult, I think, for our entire family. But uh, just because that is a hands-on a team activity. And so... Uh, there's very tangible ways to either care for somebody, and in this case, care for either the babies or for my wife, or to choose not to. And I feel like that was one of those times where the Lord really used. And and you know, the interesting thing now that I look at both of those circumstances is they were both times that I would also point back to in my life and say those were really hard. I mean, it was exceptionally difficult. We were exhausted. We, you know, life was not easy during those times. But those are the times where I say, okay, I feel like. I can see how the Lord was using that to develop selflessness, gentleness, all of these things. Yeah, I'm not me. sure if uh, that that was my point. I guess when I was thinking about this, that I, I I would I would guess that that is not the exception. That the fruit of the spirit develops in us uh, during difficult times, yeah. during. Uh, stormy times, not during sunny well, times. Well, Ben, if you yep. go back to the idea that it's the Holy Spirit producing, right. and it's in so much as we walk in reliance yes. upon yeah. Him, that it makes sense because suffering is a time in which we go, okay, I don't have this, right? right? right. So I need to lean on God, mm-hmm. and that's when God begins to produce in us His fruit. Right? right, and that goes back to, Stacey, to your point of John chapter 15, that uh, there are times when, there are, when I go through difficult times where my tendency would be to not lean into God, mm-hmm. right? To to become more selfish, in which case I begin to to show the opposite of the fruit of the spirit. Uh, and there are other times when I think, you know what? I'm gonna I lean hard into uh, Jesus, and then I have a better shot of w- watching the Spirit move during those times. But I think uh, you know, I, I would like the fruit of the Spirit to happen in my life. Uh, by winning the lottery 
or, you know, at least the, Lord, the help me to lottery. self-control by having millions yeah, and millions of, of dollars. Right. And just seems like that would be, <laughs> that's what that I would rather. Right. Right? Okay. Yeah. Do you want to go lightning round with the uh, other ones? I feel like we took a long time on love. Yeah. Do you want to run through and then we'll just go around and say, what has God used to produce sure. this yeah. in your yeah. life? That'd be good. Let's do it. Go ahead. What's next? Joy. Joy. All right. For me, I would say living in the moment. So I'm a vision-oriented person, so I'm always on to the next thing. I think the times when I'm most joyful is when the Lord helps me to slow down and recognize the great moment I'm in, even if that's holding one of my kids, discipling someone, having a great conversation with a non-Christian, and realizing, wow, this is a a good moment. I don't want to just be thinking about what's next. I need to live in this moment, see what God is doing. Yeah, I think uh, for me, joy happens when I uh, capture an, an image uh, in my head of uh, of the what is what God's love is really like. Like uh, I remember reading a a preacher who said, uh, if you want to know what God really uh, feels about you, he uh, talked about watching uh, a man with a, walking with his son, and his it was obvious that he loved his son, he was holding his hand, but then all of a sudden he stopped and he swept him up into his arms and mm. held him. And that is when the child felt the love that was always that of the father. So for me, like living in the moment is catching those moments uh, when I think God is showing me his love yep. in, a, in a tangible way, whether it's through yep. uh, my grandkids or my children or uh, some great act of... Um, yeah. Of beautiful of weather. Yeah. Yeah. Any, yeah. Right. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was gonna say Joy's my middle name, because it is. But <laughs> <laughs> it is, but that's not how I you know, I I uh, something that I absolutely love is seeing sunsets and sunrises right. and those types of images um that I would say fill me with joy and fill me with awe and I think God uses lots of things for that. And it's harder. I think that this one's a lot harder for me to think of something than like patience. Yeah. <laughs> but those are things. And even Zach, to your point, what you said, I, oh, my family would tell you I'm like a go, go, go person. And it's so true when I stop though, when we actually sit down and play a game together, when we stop yeah. and do take moments and really share that, those are, that fills me with joy. So, yep. yep. Peace. Peace. Yeah. Jimmy, you could... You can start with peace. Well, I was going to say, I think joy and peace for me are somewhat connected. Okay. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, for me, joy and peace peace are both connected to kind of just satisfaction in what the Lord has given me. And uh, specific circumstances that come to mind for me would be, for example, part of my, you know, even story of ending up working in vocational ministries. It's something that I, you know, if you had asked me 10 years ago or 15 years ago, is this what you want to do? I would say... Definitely not. And part of that was a fear that, uh, you know, the fear or maybe a desire for material gain, et cetera, that sort of thing. And I think uh, the longer I've been doing what I've been doing and just seeing how the Lord has provided in ways that I couldn't possibly imagine has both given me the joy of seeing his provision, also the peace of, of being able to trust him so that... I know that, you know, my family's going to be taken care of, I'm going to be taken care of, um, and he knows how to do that better than I ever could. Yeah, for me, peace, the most formative thing is rest. And I don't mean time off, because those things don't always go together, right? Not just shutting things off, but times when I'm really at rest, and I'm just reminded that the world is going on around me, uh, but God has got me, and I'm okay. Rest is a, a really great way to form peace. 
I was going to say letting go of control when things seem out of control. Let go and let God, Stacey. Let go. <laughs> well, it is trusting that, in God when there's name. a really tough situation or a tough time and going like, this isn't mine, this is not, and that in that there can be just significant peace. But The peace for me is connected to gratitude. Not unlike what Jimmy said, I think that gratitude helps me rest, help, helps me uh, l- let go, realize that um, I'm that uh, God is doing stuff that I can't do, uh, and it's wonderful. So, all right. pa- patience. Mm. I'll let you know when I learn this one. Yeah. <laughs> patience is a tough for, one. Yeah, for me, uh, you know, we've talked about it. Patience. Uh, happens uh, for me in uh, caring for uh, my uh, caring for my parents as they aged. I think uh, was something that has developed patience in me in a way that caring for my kids when they were little uh, it's different. Caring for aging parents, um, but patience is is not something that comes easily. I'll tell you that. Okay, this is not nearly as meaningful as Pastor Joe's, but truly when I am behind a really slow driver, <laughs> I take a moment though and I'm like, I know you're teaching me to be more patient. <laughs> but it is, I, there's, I think Sounds it's Sounds like a Francesca at, Battistelli song is about to break out. Oh, goodness. Out. But it is looking at moments like, I don't know, how can, how can God even use small things to grow us? So. Well, the only way uh, God can grow us in patience is to put us in those kind of situations. Yeah, right? yeah where well, we don't have control. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, kindness. Let's talk about kindness. Oh, hmm. kindness is wonderful. Kindness, <laughs> I think of being uh, small things, right? Small, thoughtful things. Um, I don't know if I'm very good at being kind. Um, how would the Lord develop that? I mean, how? Yeah, yeah. I, I think for me, you, you know, I wouldn't say kindness is true of me all the time, I, I think. Um, but when it is true, I think what is most helpful is maybe when the Lord helps me see the value of another person. You know, when I see in them something worth celebrating, something worth affirming, something worth encouraging, uh, not in a forced way, like, okay, they did this, I, I owe them, but in like a just a natural response, like, wow, that was amazing when you did that, or wow, you you really accomplished something, or, you know, I, I want you to know how meaningful what you did uh, just then was to me. I, I think seeing the worth of another person, yeah. the beauty of what they can do or what they have done, or, you know, makes it, makes it a natural thing to want to say or do something c- kind to them. So I think, uh, you know, I... I if on default, my default mode is to be pretty self-occupied. When I and then I'm not kind because I'm just thinking about myself. When I'm kind, I think is when something happens and my eyes are not on me; they're on another person. I'm saying. I think too. I think I. I think it's good to look at the value of somebody. If I think of of God loving that another person, it makes me kinder toward them. Because I'm, if I was talking about one of your kids, yeah. if I'm talking about a, a, you know, a child that I see that I don't know the parents of and I don't know, then it's easy for me to go, oh, look at that spoiled brat. I would never say that about one of your kids, right? Because yeah. I, I know you care, you love yeah. them, right? Yeah. So uh, I think for me, if I see people the way God sees them, 
uh, in their value. Well, that's the thing because everybody right. has value. Right. So it's tempting to hear what I say and go, wait a minute, someone has to show you. No, everyone has value. The right. difference is when I see Whether it. We see right. it. Right. right. And acknowledge it. Or, or when I don't. Okay. Now the next one is goodness. Right. That's the thing. That the, Goodness is the, the you know, I, I've mentioned the chosen, uh, that the series about Jesus. Uh, that is the thing that has struck me the most about watching The Chosen is that they cast a, uh, an actor for Jesus that, to me, has communicated the goodness of Jesus better than anybody I have seen. And um, for me, I, I would suppose that the only way that God uh, produces goodness in me is for Jesus to have more control of me. and uh, But goodness well, so maybe is— then it's- Oh. A recognition of the goodness that's not in you, right? Yeah, that would lead you to go to Jesus and say, "So it might be confession." You take right? charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah that would be right. the... like I'm a mess. Yeah, I was you, and that's similar to what Jesus, I was thinking. Jesus, take with. the wheel. <laughs> Another song, Francesca <laughs> Baldelli. We've got all these. Yeah. I was going to say something similar. I feel like with kindness and goodness, both are ones that man. There's a lot of work in me that God needs to do, but it is through I think the recognition of like Lord, why am I struggling so much to just be kind or just to be good to my daughter in this situation or my husband, but it, hopefully it's in that that... Yeah, I think those ones are where it's most evident to me that these are not things that we can white knuckle and yeah do. Yeah. You know, you no can't way. go be good. I don't know. You know, goodness is a reactionary, you know, it's a reactionary mode. So I know I'm not... I, I know whether I'm good I'm good or not when I'm... Not good. Not well, I good. Yeah, right. exactly. I think the key is using the word be. You can do good. You can force yourself to do good. You cannot right. force yourself to be, be good. Right. Yeah. You can force yourself to do a kind thing. You cannot force yourself to be kind. But even sometimes in doing a kind thing, you're actually being unkind yeah. because you're grumbling the whole way. Right. And then, right. Yeah, that's true. That's like when I tell my daughters to be kind to each other. They are being kind Sorry. to each other, but they're also plotting when yeah. they're going to be very unkind to each other. <laughs> and it's all fake. So we have uh, the last three. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'll, I'll take them in reverse order. It is interesting. Right? By the time we've got to these last <laughs> yeah, three, little, we're rolling actually, our eyes and just going, wow. Why? We, yeah. The fruit of the Spirit is Well, I think there's a hard. combination. To me, faithfulness and self-control are connected because I, both yeah. of them are yeah. believing that someone else has a plan or purpose that is better than mine. I mean, self-control only makes sense when I say, even though I want this, it is actually better for me right. yeah. to not have that. But that implies trusting something other than my inclination to say, but I want this. And faithfulness has this idea of being true to this to this purpose or person who... So I, I think for both of those, it would be uh, the more in tune I am with who God is. In fact, you might say... With, with the gospel. Yeah. Right? I mean, yes. I, that's what I was. ended up thinking, boy, that makes sense to go, to remind myself of the gospel. Uh, the more I do that, the, the more the gospel goes deeper in me where I realize who I am, who God is, what God has done for me, the more I will develop love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Yeah, because so much of this comes down to trust, right? right. Do I trust right. myself I to trust produce... God? happiness for myself, in which case I might cut corners and be unkind if it suits me, not control myself if it suits me? Or do I actually trust that God wants good things for me? 
and he knows how to lead me to those things more than I know to lead myself. And in which case that will mean telling myself no at various times. When I think of people and that I've seen that demonstrate this, that I am in awe of, it is because of tremendous difficulty, tremendous temptation and trials that, again, they have been able to set aside and trust God and be faithful to you know what he says in his word, regardless of what they're enduring themselves. And so, yeah, there's other models out there for those two. That... It is interesting, though, because I think we all said that at the very beginning, what is true of people in whom you see these qualities? And we said a lot of times they've been through difficult things. And, and it, But it occurs to me that oftentimes when difficult things come our way, our first inclination is to go, God, where are you and how could you let this happen? And yet the people and the traits that we so desperately want for ourselves, we say, boy, I wish I was more like that. I wish I was more gentle. I wish I, I was kinder. I wish I had better self-control. I wish. And, uh, and I think sometimes when we're saying, God, where are you? God would say, I'm, I'm producing in you those things that, that you want. But this is how you get there. Yeah, and there is. Uh, I would suppose that there's not a single listener that doesn't want in their lives the fruit of the spirit, and yeah. that's what we. That want here's the list you. and goes on. Oh, no, I don't want to be yeah. any kinder than I am. Right. Or, yeah, yeah. And if you are listening to that, re-listen to this episode <laughs> yeah. because that is not where you should be. And again, of all of this, I think it can just mean a shift of perspective too. When we, with what comes our way, with what we're facing that we can see it as opportunities that God is hopefully using to grow us. Or maybe even, you know, as we emerge from difficult circumstances, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the first reactions is probably, wow, I'm glad that's over. But maybe reaction number two should be, let me look back. Lord, what have you you done? Well, I think the other thing I'll say too is, again, just want to make sure that even as we read this list, that we're reading it from a gospel perspective. And that is that God loves me not because I'm, faithful, gentle, I have self-control. He loves me because Jesus had all those things perfectly, and he died on the cross for my place. And, and, you know, I think about Ephesians 2, where Paul says he's raised us up with Christ and and seated us with him in the heavenly places. You know, when God looks at me, he sees these things perfected, because Hmm. one day, one day, I will be perfectly gentle, perfectly kind, perfectly... Uh, self-control, and not because I got myself there, but because I have died and risen from the dead and have been perfected by the love of God. So I think we should we should ask the Lord, how do you, wh- you want to get me here? What do you, what do you want to do in my life? We should be open-handed with that. We should trust Him. But we should also rest in the idea that this is not just who I should be, it's who I will be because of what Jesus Christ has done. You've been listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we're going to look at topics and questions that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. We want your feedback. We want your suggestions. If you've got ideas or questions that you'd like to hear answered on the show, you can email us at churchunplugged at ccchapel.com. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.